0: Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Land Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh, dude, I'm fantastic. That's amazing.
1: I've got to tell you what I'm grateful for. No, I've got to go first. Okay, you go first. Right.
0: I am thankful for... Ben! Yeah, go Ben! So Ben is a um, tech guy. Yeah. And he's been working on some of our tech issues. Yeah. And he's come up with some solutions and we are trialling them this morning. So, so good. Pray for us. I,
1: I know Ben actually. We go to church together. He's a he's good bloke. all Ben's around, amazing. All around solid fella
0: and he's doing an amazing job here in the studio. I'm Just- getting the impression he's one of these kind of behind the scenes guys. Because uh, yeah. I've been trying to get him in here on the microphone. Yeah. He makes good pasta. That's... Yeah. <laughs> he makes
1: good pasta or a good pasta? He makes both. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He kills it. All right. All right, Lyle. I have to yes. tell you what I'm going for. Lal, do you have any re- reoccurring dreams? Yes. Yeah. I have I have one at the moment and it's waking up late for radio.
0: <laughs> this, is like, this is like the third time
1: you've had this dream. Yeah, yeah. In the so last- so, so I didn't have this dream. I lived it this morning. Well, I, okay, I got here on time, but my alarm didn't go off. Oh. And I woke up to sunlight, which is, oh. you know, we've just changed daylight savings. <laughs> and waking up to feeling. sunlight, I'm like it's over bro it's like i'm I'm done i'm like so i pull out my phone and luckily it was only like well it was like six thirty, which is about the time i should get in the car and i'm still laying in bed so i just rolled out of bed put on whatever clothes were on the floor and just jumped in my car and drove here and uh on the floor floor, on the floor was a uh i'm currently wearing a 6xl t-shirt um so yeah just looking nice and Big and yeah, living my best yep. life.
0: Throwing some deodorant, <laughs> throwing a shirt and jumping the car. You're
1: listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
0: Oh, Lyle, I want to ask you a question. I just
1: want to yes. stop those gears turning, stop uh-huh. you thinking about I want to ask you a question. What years did you live in the United
0: States? Oh, I lived there 92, 94. I also lived there in 2005 and Bunch of other visits.
1: Okay, bunch of other visits. Okay, so did you, like, especially in the early period, did you spend any time in California? About a Day in two thousand and five. I'd love to know because my story here is
0: about um, pollution in California, and I'd love to know. Like you've oh, been in and out of. I mean, you fly through California every time you go. to yeah, yeah, yeah. The US from Australia. But
1: yeah, in the nineties, like LA, like was by ninety two because the Cleaner Act came in in nineteen ninety. Yes, and it was in nineteen ninety two. Was it still like? Big time
0: smog, or how? Oh, massive smog! (laughs) You look out of the plane window as you're coming into LA, and you just you're just descending through soup. Brown, <laughs> brown soup. Brown <soup. laughs> It's the only way you can describe it. It's been a while since I've flown into LA. I don't remember whether it was cleaner the last time I flew in or not, but, you know, brown soup.
1: Well, according to a study that's been done by scientists at UC Berkeley, California's air pollution control standards have drastically dropped the amount of diesel in the air, um, and a result of that is that cardiopulmonary deaths attributing to air quality have also drastically dropped. This is good news. So they've said since, you know, the Clean Air Act came in in 1990, um, they've had a 78 drop In toxic, a seventy-eight percent drop in toxic air pollution, and because of that, an eighty-two percent drop in deaths attributing to this. Um, So yeah, if we look back at you know California, you look at pictures from you know nineteen eighty-nine, Los Angeles, especially like the year before the Clean Air Act came in. It's just like it's just like a war zone. Like it's just heavy as. uh, But you know they've brought these new standards in, and now California has relatively cleaner skies as this you know survey is finding at least uh, you sorry can, you can almost breathe there. you can almost breathe it. I'm, so, I'm sure they're grateful when they wake up in the morning able to breathe um but the interesting thing i thought uh, that i read about this is that it didn't come from the lack or you know using less diesel or less fuel in fact you know the car use in los angeles has increased um Car and trailer and marine uses increase, but by retrofitting older cars with, you know, uh, what is it? Is that catalytic converters? Is catalytic that catalytic converters? Yeah, yes. catalytic converters and whatnot to basically, yeah, to reduce their pollution. Yeah, they've seen this massive, massive drop. Uh, and of course by 2035, they're getting rid of all petrol cars. Well, they're, they're basically outlawing the, uh, the, but by 2035, they're outlawing the, the sale of non-electric vehicles. So, we're just gonna see this number drop and this is going to become a standard, um, all over the world. So it's cool to see. The thing that I thought was really cool
0: was that. So we're gonna re- replace air pollution with, uh, land pollution of, uh, lithium batteries. Yeah, but. Yeah, we we'll have <laughs> some way to get rid of the lithium batteries.
1: Listen, the thing that I thought was cool is that this is. Like great pollution, you know. I feel like sometimes people can have the feelings like, "Oh, we've gone far enough, and we live on this world to exploit it, so let's just keep exploiting it." But we see so clearly here that we can actually
0: reverse it. Yeah, and, and particularly some of these cities like this that create an inversion because of the um, the atmospheric conditions and the and the t- topographical conditions that they sit in, where the pollution just sits there. And you've got a similar thing that happens in Western Sydney, where the pollution will just you know sit there and uh, it's not dispersed, and it gets pretty really toxic stuff mm. it gets thick you know yeah, it's yeah. like hard to breathe so yeah it'd be good to see some cleaner air and it's just interesting to note how much uh, COVID cleaned up the air for the first oh, month of so lockdown true alright Lyle oh well you remember Ah, oh, there was always
1: like posts on Twitter about you know nature is healing and you know first time I've been able to see the mountains from LA and stuff okay <laughs> this next story uh, is something that I thought you'd be particularly interested in because the Mansfield Autism Statewide Service has received $6.5 million from the Victorian government to build more accommodation on their 100-acre therapeutic farm. Okay. So, so basically, what this is, it's, it's called, you know, Mass in short, and this is, like, a basically a therapeutic farm for kids with autism where yes. they come, ride yes. horses, do farm work, feed animals, shovel hay, eat corn... Or something probably sounds like a but great idea to me.
0: Live the farm life and best, best best kind of life that there is for mental health.
1: Hundred percent. I know that you've talked about this a bunch. Your your love for country living
0: and how good of a thing it is, particularly for children. Now, you know, one of our one of the founders of our church, you know, back in the eighteen hundreds, was talking about this, and it's good to see that science is eventually catching up. Yeah, it is. But particularly, like, it's good that it's targeting
1: risk children who can lose so much from having a bad environment growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that Bible verse in Proverbs 13 where it says, "Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but one who loves their children is careful to discipline now uh, them." Now, this is like talking about the uh, this is controversial. This is controversial. This is more I like controversial. <laughs> this is more specifically talking about the context of you know uh, punishing children for yes. their wrongdoing. But yes. the same principle applies essentially to put them in an environment where they receive constant discipline. Yes. By, by their, by their surroundings, it's Absolutely. like, they have consequences for their actions where they, they have responsibility. It's like, you know, for these kids that get put on this farm and when they're on this farm, it's like, you know, they, they're, they're doing sessions with counselors and, and they're really honing in on their mental health, which is a great thing. But at the same time, it's like, okay, guy, you know, your, your little group or whatever, they'll have like a six, six, Person little uh, apartment, because that, that's what they're doing with this money. They're building more and more on this little farm. And it's like, you know, your six person group is like, all right, guys, your job is to wake up at this time and you shovel the hay. Uh, you know, your job is to wake up at this time. And you guys feed the animals. They have that responsibility. And the consequences for not doing it is that it doesn't get done. And then some kind of negative... You know, disciplinary measure comes in, but this is exactly what children need. It is. It 100%. Is. And so children just- thrive under discipline. Hundred percent, absolutely thrive. So yeah, it's good to see that Correct discipline. That is godly discipline. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, not abuse. We're not talking
0: about it. We're talking. To, there's a difference between oh,
1: discipline mm, and abuse. Mm, for real. So yeah, it's good to see that that this program, which has helped so many children already, um, yeah, because basically they've just been inundated with the amount they're seeing the results from it, how good it is for these children, and they've been inundated with requests to come. They have so many kids on their waiting list, and finally they can start emptying their waiting list because they're just getting to work building accommodations so really really good stuff coming out of there I had another story but I'm not going to be able to get to it but yeah
0: just many good things happening
1: (laughs) you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith FM positively different
0: absolutely someone was just mentioning um, commenting here on uh, air pollution and your story on air pollution oh yes They've uh, said, the real pollution, so we're going to do it, the real pollution. Oh, okay. okay. The real pollution in the air is called sin, and it can be only cleaned (laughs) by the grace of Christ. Anything else really is only a whitewash. Man, I, was, I thought he was going to say the words that come out of Lyle's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good point, though. I mean, this is the pollution we need to worry about the most is yeah, uh, the pollution of sin mm. and to, to, can only be cleansed by the grace of Christ. Amen. Good thought to start the day with. Let's talk about cash this morning. All right.
1: Yes, cash. Let's talk about cash. This Lyle. is
0: interesting. Uh, let me just see here. So, withdrawals are from ATMs. Um in the early stages of COVID went down by half. Okay, yeah, fair enough. They haven't gone back up. They have now dropped to just 20% of what they were pre-COVID. So Australia is rapidly, very, very rapidly getting rid of cash. I am surprised that the drop happened
1: at COVID at all, man. I've I've stopped using cash since like... 2017. Since I could start pay, so I. In, I stopped using cash in 2000. Oh, mate, you're you're done before you were born, probably. Well, even before that. Like, well, I would say like 2000, 2016 is like when I I was like 17 in 2016, and that's when I started like working, yeah. and that's when I had a bank account. And So I already was using a card. But in 2017, I like bought a phone that I could do like. Yes, tap payment with, uh-huh. and so I'm, dude. I, ever since then, like I have not. The only
0: times I've gotten cash out is when I'm buying, like. I guess this something. Is this interesting stat? Phones only account for five percent of sales. I thought that would have been much higher because oh. all of my f- sales are on the phone. Are you serious?
1: Yeah. Five, <laughs> <that's it. laughs>
0: okay. It's how nice much is now. how much is
1: cardless cash? Sorry, uh, not cardless cash. Tap and go. Is I don't
0: know. Oh. But um, Cash withdrawals have got so low that $5 and $10 notes have uh, are no longer issued. Completely. This is no longer issued because there's no use for
1: them. There's no demand for them. The ones that are already in circulation, they're like, oh, yeah, that's enough. It's plenty. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Um, cash being banked during that period, so people putting cash in the bank has gone down by a full third. Um, only 4% of businesses actually refuse to use cash. Hmm. Refuse to accept cash. Yeah, for sure. So most of them will still take cash, but most of them will also discourage cash. Um, yeah, and about 28% of that is because of hygienic reasons. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let me see here. what else we've we got here. One in five people have no cash. Ever. Ever. That's probably They me. obviously don't ever shop on Facebook Marketplace. It's the only thing yeah, I use cash that's for. That's the only
1: thing I use cash And
0: for. even on Facebook Marketplace, you know, I so many of my purchases... You just do a there. bank transfer. Yeah, just bank transfer. Mm. Um, now, out of those one in five, 40% of them have no cash outside of their wallet. So, the only cash they have is what's in their wallet. Yes. Um, so, yeah, for... for um, for uh, marketplace and so forth. Mm. Now, what's also interesting is that cash being held is up by 17%, and this one has got everybody puzzled because there's a whole bunch of cash out there that has been stored away, and they've found that it's stored away in $50 and $100 notes. And, for instance, $100 notes, there are 17 $100 notes for every person that there is in Australia. Whereas in New Zealand there's only like six for every person, which is where Australia used to be before COVID. So fifty dollars, fifty dollar notes and a hundred dollar notes have all been squirreled away somewhere and nobody knows where. They know that around about two percent of that is by criminal organizations. Yeah, that's how I was gonna sound. Yeah, but it's only two
1: so percent.
0: It's like where's the rest? They're looking at five to ten percent has been lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, And they are estimating that as a result of all of this cash being squirreled away and put under mattresses somewhere, that the average $100 note in Australia will last more than 100 years before it has to be replaced. Pretty pretty durable durable money
1: in Australia. Yeah, but it's by far the clean... I held a $100 note yesterday. And they're pretty clean. Like pretty much every hundred dollar note that I've come across has, they're never crumpled. They're just fresh. It doesn't matter if they're like 20 years old, they're like, Fresh, like because when you got one of those, you kind of you keep it fresh and Christina's yeah. like, oh, let's
0: <laughs> let's look at this one. But why wouldn't people just put the money in the bank? That's that's like now this is an interesting discussion to have in relationship to you know the Bible because a lot of people point to uh, the cashless society as being a move towards the mark of the beast, and it may be. Mm. It doesn't have to be. Yes. We have proven that over and over and over again. Um, The Bible speaks about, you know, uh, nobody being able to buy and sell. In other words, sanctions Mm -hmm. at the end of time. Sanctions have been around for the last hundred years. Mm. And, uh, you know, Australia is one of the four leading countries in the world as far as going cashless goes. You don't need to go cashless to uh, bring about the mark of the beast, but, you know... There's a lot of discussion about it, and certainly, uh, if it's going to be the case, then Australia is leading the way. Yeah. It's also good to remember that the Mark of the Beast is all about worship. Yeah. And while we're talking about this, we didn't need to make this point. The Mark of the Beast is all about worship. The Mark of the Beast is not about cash. It's not mm. about a computer chip. It's not about a barcode. It's not about any of those things. The Bible mentions none of those things. Mm. And while you often find, you know, it's not about a vaccine. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Not about a vaccine. The Bible doesn't mention any of these things. When you read Revelation chapter 13, you'll find the one theme that is repeated five times within 12 verses is the issue of worship. The mark of the beast is going to be all about worship. Yes, because of course... Technology will be used to enforce worship, but... Uh, 100%, yeah.
1: But oh, I was just going to say because, uh, you know... Why, why would the differentiation be something between God's people and not God's people be something arbitrary and something that has nothing to do with morality? Like, that's That's right. That's the biggest point is that it's like uh, um, technology is not moral. Yes. Technology is amoral. Yes. You know, getting a vaccine, uh, using cash or not using cash. Yeah. These are all amoral things. Whereas, yeah, God is looking at the oh, state of our just, heart. Oh, stirred some people up now. Oh, whatever.
0: <laughs> Talk to me You know it. what our number is. It's 0491 That's our text number. Or you can call us on 1-800-324-843. study the Bible. Give Lawson a hard time. Yeah. Okay, one more story real quick. I do want to cover this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about the Hajj, which yes, is the pilgrimage to Mecca. Now, you have the Hajj and you have the Umrah. The Hajj is the annual pilgrimage that happens every year to Mecca and every able-bodied Muslim at some point in his life is supposed to do that if possible. Mm-hmm. Then you have the Umrah which sort of takes place all year long. You can go at any time of the year to go on the Umrah which is pilgrimage to, um, to Mecca. Okay, as far as the Umrah goes, you are now um, are allowed to get a permit to do so under one of three categories. One Category one is you've had two doses of the vaccine. Category two is you've had one dose of the vaccine. Category three is you've had COVID and you have recovered from COVID. Mm. If you're in one of those three categories, you can apply for a permit to attend um, and to worship, attend uh, the uh, Umrah and to worship in the Grand Mosque. Last year, the Hajj, about 10,000 people went. Mm. Year before, it was 2.5 million. Yeah, wow. And so they're looking at, of course, extending that to the Hajj itself. And so, yeah, vaccine passport to go on the Hajj.
1: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
0: Wow. Yes, we've got uh, David helped joining us on the phone this morning as always for a Wednesday morning update. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle, and good morning to your
2: listeners.
0: So we've been talking about um, addictions, and we've been doing a bit of a series on addictions, which is one of your specialties. And we've been particularly, you know, we've, we've talked about various forms of addictions. What what I'd like to talk to, talk about today is how families relate to people, you know, who are part of their family, who are addictive, and um, are families always... You know, good to help people out who have addictions or do sometimes families actually do the wrong thing with relatives that are addicted.
2: Lyle, well, addictions is quite a very interesting phenomena and uh, there are a number of things that actually perpetuates the influence of addictions in our life. Uh, one of them that we've already spoken about is the endocrine and biochemical changes that occurs. In other words the uh, neuroreceptors eventually start to crave for that substance um, We also spoke about the psychological changes that built up over the years. In other words, we know that as the stress builds up, there's a quick fix in just another shot or another use of, of that drug. Um, eventually, the addict builds their life around the drug. But then it comes with this phenomenal thing of families that so desperately want their loved one to come off. Let's imagine it's a parent wanting their child to get off and uh, they do everything in their power. Listen, listen to my words very carefully. The parent does everything in their power to get that young person off the drug. And that actual, actual fact perpetuates, in other words, it prolongs the process. Um, I have seen when I worked in Cabramatta at the high day of heroin addiction that parents will go to the magistrate and say to the magistrate, your honor, release my child into my care and I will make sure that they will never again Gain touch the drugs and eventually those parents become the drug mules, the drug runners for the kids just to keep them safe at home. The the parents will go out and and buy the drug and bring it home just to keep their child safe. That is one very sad phenomenon that I've experienced on, on the streets of Cabramatta.
0: Okay, that's a really shocking thing for, you know, somebody like myself is probably fairly insulated from that kind of thing taking place. So what is it then that drives the parent to go out and to actually supply the drug? Is this the parent being desperate to keep their child at home? Or is this or is the parent just trying to be in control of the addiction? What, what's actually happening there?
2: Is really the the parent really denying the real fundamental principle in addiction, and that is the issue of choice. Um, as a clinician, I would often receive a phone call from a parent that says, uh, "Will you please talk to my child? They they want to break free from drugs." And my first question is, "Is this your choice, or is this your child's choice?" Um, You know, we each one, God has given us a free will, a free choice. And so often a parent in their desperation, seeing the direction, the trajectory of their child's life, wants to get their child free of that. But the parent has never allowed or never taught their child that for every choice that we make, they are Either positive or negative consequences. I've seen parents um, go to a shop owner where a child has uh, has stolen in order to sell those stolen produce to to buy drugs from that money, and will offer double the amount uh, that the child has stolen to um, to the shop owner purely to keep their child from landing up in prison. And I'm saying, and this might sound very cruel this morning, but I'm saying let your child experience the consequences. You know, if we as parents would allow our children to experience the consequences of the choices that we make, we would in actual fact have far less uh, problems that we are facing today, especially in the drug field.
0: This is actually a principle that Lawson started our radio show off talking about today. He mentioned a passage, you know, foolishness lives in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it from him. And the principle behind that, of course, is that there are consequences for our actions. And, you know, when I look at the at, at the biblical model, you know, when God put, the, put Adam and Eve on the earth, there were consequences for their actions and when they acted when they chose to go the wrong way you know god didn't come to them and say well you know i'll give you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a and a, and a 130th chance or anything like that and he didn't count to 3 or anything like that they acted they made a choice and there were consequences straight away is this is this a situation where Parents have basically spoiled their children by not enforcing consequences for their children's actions and then as their children go up, the same thing just continues on?
2: Very true, Lyle. Um, we have spoken so far about addictions and primarily focusing on the uh, the treatment of trauma or abuse or uh, very emotional, painful events in their life. But we see that there's a grouping in the uh, the field of addiction of young people that had everything from. Early in their life, they they received whatever their heart's desire wished for. In other words, there was no trauma, no abuse, no major stresses in their life except misophism. So parents actually gave them... Uh, Anything that they that they wanted or required, but never taught them that there's consequences to, to to their choices. And this is one of the uh, the factors that we see leads to addiction. And uh, we so often see that when a family then is catapulted into an addictive environment, where a child, for instance, or a, a partner is using drugs, that there's major stress that develops in that family. And while the stress is there there is pressure on that individual to stop using that substance. But what we so often then see is that the whole family takes on different roles in the family to lessen that stress, and in so doing, that person that is using that substance doesn't need to change. In other words, the family that loves them the most, that wants them to change, are actually the ones that actually allows them to continue in their drug habit.
0: Is this this then a misunderstanding of what love actually is by family members where love becomes permissiveness rather than love being, you know, hard love? We might talk about hard love where, you know, a, a type of love that makes the hard decisions and enforces consequences for wrong decisions.
2: So you're asking here a question about, you know, tough love, um, boundaries. Um, we know today that children that grow up without rules and regulations uh, actually feels unloved. Those kids that uh, grow up with clear boundaries, clear rules, clear understanding that there's consequences for their choices and their behaviors and are allowed to experience those consequences actually feel more loved and appreciated than kids. By their parent than those that 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 grow up in the opposite, you know, relationship.
0: So, could we could we even go as far as saying that a permissive parent or a parent that does not teach their child to master delayed gratification is actually abusing their child?
2: Very true. Very (laughs) true. And. And and the link with addiction has already been established. Um, we we see in the in the research that two groupings of parents actually leads the children to often to addictions. The one that is very punitive, very judgmental, harsh treatment in the home, and then the other one that is very permissive. Anything can go. No consequences.
0: What about the situation that you see with young children? You know, often you'll see this in the supermarket where the kid is playing up and they're, you know, in their stroller or whatever. And just to shut them up, the parent will just buy them a sugary treat and say, here, have this and and, and be quiet. Rewarding children for bad behaviour
2: exactly
0: is so, this is this the same kind of thing that we is this setting them up for addiction i mean do addictions start with something as simple as a sugar addiction and then you know and then grow from there to whatever gratifies me to you know keep me quiet so to speak
2: the foundation that is missing later in life actually has been laid um, very early in their life uh, children that uh, you know get away with things will actually push the envelope further and further and further and eventually they um they push the envelope with society with addictions and they are eventually arrested and brought before the magistrate and uh, The parent once again steps in and says to the magistrate, your honour, release my child into my care. I will make sure that my child will never do that again. Uh, It is the same event that has happened many years before in the supermarket. So uh, it is not always easy, but one of the greatest gifts that a parent can uh, give a child is to take personal responsibility for what eventually will happen in their life. What, one of the most tragic things that I've seen in, in Cabramatta while I worked there, while Cabramatta was the drug capital of, of Australia, was that... Um, Kids or young people using these drugs point to the world out there being the cause of w- what they are. In other words, they have never been taught to take personal responsibility for what has taken place in their life. Because mm. since childhood, their parents have never, uh, you know, taught them that.
0: That's a tragedy. What about the judicial system? Because often, you know, these guys, the, the, these people will end up in front of uh, a magistrate at some particular point. And we find that, you know, a police feel definitely frustrated because they, you know, go to all the work to, you know, take these people off the streets and to, um, and to bring them before a magistrate. And then we find that magistrates in Australia today tend to be incredibly lenient towards, uh, criminals. And is that feeding the continued cycle of addiction then? Is it just basically the court system doing exactly what the uh, parents have been doing for a long time previous to that?
2: Very true. And uh, they, in, in our modern understanding of addictions or treatment of addictions we don't really treat the cause we just treat the symptoms so um, the whole court system with the uh, legislation around addiction has said if you can manage your addiction and doesn't cause any harm to other people then it is okay. From a biblical perspective though um, I see another viewpoint and that is that any form of addiction means enslavement yeah. And uh, as, as as a Christian, I can never be enslaved to anything uh, because my relationship with God actually sets me free, and and therefore our judicial system, our um, political system, all actually empower the the, the use of this form of, of addiction just as long as it doesn't cause harm to other people.
0: Yeah, and you know, slavery is a really hot topic in our world today. Of course, we have more people who are in slavery now than any other point in history. But when we talk about people who are, you know, being trafficked and who have become slaves, you know, we're not typically talking about addiction, but if we include addiction into that, then we have legislation that is out there and a judicial system that is out there, a political system that is out there that is actually enabling slavery, is what you're saying.
2: That's correct, yes. Yeah. As as we worked in Cabramatta, our focus was to get people off to address the underlying cause of issues and get them completely off an addiction. Not so often, while we see people uh, using a substance addiction just to replace them with another form of addiction once they get off that substance because the, the, the symptoms are being addressed, but not the... Uh, sorry. Yes, the symptoms are being addressed, but not the cause. So the addiction is still there, we just uh, bring it into a more acceptable thing instead of trying to address the of issues and completely eliminate that. But we live today in a society where so many people are addicted. I've just bought my, I, let's imagine I've just signed a two-year contract with my iPhone 11, I walk out of the shop and... Uh, Apple just makes the announcement that uh, the new iPhone 12 is coming out and tells me about all the new features. There must be an immediate um, dissatisfaction with my purchase and a craving for the new thing. One of the newest forms of addictions is techno addiction.
0: Mm.
2: The instant gratification. I can do it with my credit card. I can just buy it. I don't need to work towards earning it. I can get the gratification now and pay off for two years on it.
0: David, we're going to have to continue this conversation, but thank you so much for joining us here this morning on Faith FM.
2: Blessings to you and your listeners. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM
2: family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.